welcome to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Each week we sit around and discuss the music from our past. Sometimes we agree. I call it iconic. It's a 10. That riff is un- it's incredible. Clearly a 10. This is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Um, iconic from start to finish. And sometimes we disagree. The song sounds like something you might hear at your aunt's funeral. The absolute worst lyric ever. It's like stuffing the sock in your pants and you got nothing else to tell me. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. And we are back again with another Audible Ecstasy podcast. This week, it's my pick. You wanted heavy. Swear. Jimmy brings you heavy. You boys ready to do this? I am. You guys have any taglines tonight you want to throw out there? Well, I just said, let's rein in podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's enter to the realm of the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. All right, boys, let's get it started. All right, all right, let's roll with it. All right, first song, Chris, it's a little tune called Angel of Death. Auschwitz, the meaning of pain, the way that I want you to die. Oh my God. What are we in for, kids? This is not a nursery rhyme. Oh my Lord. No, it is not. From the opening scream to the final seconds of this song, this is a nonstop thrashing, destroying tune that Slayer has opened up an album that will never be forgotten. Lyrically, this song is absolutely disturbing as hell. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and you know what? It's what Slayer does. This is their little stick, if you will. This is, um, man, wow. That opening riff all the way to the transition is absolutely a masterpiece. Um, the longest song on the album, by the way, guys. So you had to put up with it for just a little bit longer than the rest of these tunes. <laughs> but that's not saying much. Uh Tom Array is painting a dark, evil picture in the Holocaust anthem of our time. It's iconic. It's a 10. Chris, what do you think about Angel of Death? Yeah, it's uh, it's loud. It's aggressive. It's got a blazing pace to it. 
And around that 140 mark is a really nice groove that kicks in. You know, we're all sitting here just bobbing our heads too when it kicks in. Guitars are on point. Tom's vo- vocals really fit this song well. Uh, I know this is so for me. I'm not a huge Slayer fan. There are two songs in the, on this album that I knew going in. This is one of them. I think it's a ten as well due to that fact. All right, fantastic, Anthony. What do you think about the Angel of Death? Before we get into Angel of Death, I got a little bone to pick with you guys from last week. I want to get this on. I didn't talk about this before, but no, I wanted to say you guys did a great job with the guitar stuff last week. I know I couldn't defend myself. Um, (laughs) Hotel California beat it. Great choices. I enjoyed those out of the box choices. Hoffer teacher almost picked that myself. Not for number one, but almost picked it. And seriously, flush of the week. Seriously, <laughs> why no love for the bass guitar, man? I mean, seriously, why no love for the bass guitar? Yeah, well, here's the thing: it's guitar it's solos, getting, not bass solos. I, you know, I was listening. It's a to guitar, that, and actually, at the very, at the very end of that clip we pulled, the bass kicks in and starts sounding really good. But the part you pulled was just so slow and droning. I'll admit, man. it was I a just, slower part. I could have picked a faster part, but come on, the uh, bass needs some love. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I mean, I felt like I was gonna go to sleep oh, on that God. one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of my favorite little bass parts that Harris oh, has done. Killer so. maiden, dude. I get oh my it. God, killer. Yeah. So, anyways, I want that off my chest. So, <laughs> y'all did do a good job. I knew, maybe, I, knew well, I was going to hear about that this week. <laughs> welcome back, Anthony. Welcome yeah. back. <laughs> Couldn't defend myself, but yeah, those songs I picked last week were just the, at least the top two are songs that I always think of when I think of guitar. The Dire Straits mm-hmm. and the White Lion. Those two just have always gotten me. But back to Slayer, not White Lion. Um, <laughs> Angel of Not Death. <laughs> um, this song is intense, brutal, in your face. It never lets up. And it's a killer song by Slayer, a song that most people know by them. The band sounds fantastic. Tom sounds fan- sounds amazing on vocals. There are no flaws. I love the close of this song with that nasty guitar solo and those drums around the 425 mark. It's a 10, number two all-time in concert with 1,843 plays. Almost 2,000 times in concert. And from song Mm -hmm. facts, I picked up a little bit. You guys probably know this. Listening to this podcast probably know this too. But this song is about Joseph Mengele, who was known as the Angel of Death, a doctor at Auschwitz who performed gruesome experiments on prisoners during the Holocaust. Many people who don't fully understand metal or Slayer have branded them neo-Nazis and Satanists. But the song was written by guitarist Jeff Hanneman because he has an interest in World War II. His father landed on the beaches of Normandy on June 6, 1944. So that's probably why it makes so much to him. And I've stood on those beaches before in Normandy, and it's awe-inspiring to see those bunkers and everything. But um, this was also the last song Slayer played at their final show at the Forum in Inglewood, California on November thirtieth, 2019. And I have one more question I want to ask you guys before we close out on this song. Is this song hard to enjoy to listen to? Because myself, I find myself skipping it occasionally because I don't want to be reminded of these images and to hear this horrific stuff. I love the energy. I love the power. But it's hard for me to enjoy it sometimes. Sometimes I have to turn it off because I just don't want to hear it. So what do you guys think? Do you always want to hear it or take it or leave it? Or what do you think you about that? You go first, Jimmy, on that. All right. So my opinion is this is just a brief, it's just a history of a bad, bad man in a terrible time. World War II should never be forgotten because had we not prevailed, 
this we, what we're doing now would never be happening. We'd exactly. be under a regime that we would have no freedoms whatsoever. Right. We probably wouldn't even be here, to be honest with you. So, although the song is, if you initially, to the uninitiated, I should say, you would absolutely think this is World War II worship and, and absolutely worshiping what Mingle did. That's not it at all. It's telling the tale. Um, I love the song, and you know what? I I don't turn it off when I hear it. If it's on, you know, serious. Now, keep in mind, I don't go back to this album a whole lot anymore over the years because I feel like, you know, I'm, my tastes have changed over the time. I know what right. this means to me, and you know, as far as... This isn't a Desert Island album for me. This is just one of the greatest Slayer releases of all time. That's that's pretty much how I'm going to look. And you'll hear my summary at the end. But, Chris, what do you think? I'll tell you, with, with Slayer, I was thinking about this today. Uh, I kind of think of them as like an 80s version of a Rob Zombie or a Marilyn Manson or right. something. Yeah, they they do a that. lot of st- stuff for shock value. I think right. it was to kind of thumb their nose at the PMRC type people back in the 80s. I don't think they take this stuff seriously. I don't think they're a bunch of Satan. I don't think they're out there sacrificing goats or anything. <laughs> I think they do it to sell records. And I was going to touch on this at the end, but honestly, I don't think they need to, man. I think they're, they're good enough musicians. Yeah. Where, like Metallica didn't do stuff like that. Megadeth. I mean, the right. bands that we loved growing up, they didn't have to resort to gimmicks to sell albums. I don't quite know why these guys felt the need to do that, but we can talk about that at the end. We will. We'll talk about it. To me, end. that's what all this is. And I, I get what Anthony's saying. I don't need to hear about Auschwitz in, in my music. I mean, just <laughs> it's the, a little heavy, you know. Just talking it's, about some of the stuff that he did to those people, and you're just like, I don't want that image in my head of what those poor people went through. Yeah. I heard a Holocaust survivor one time saying something like, something I never thought about. But they said when they got off the train, they could hear the screams coming across mm, the camp. Yeah. That's why and there's it, a scream at the beginning of the song. Yeah, you know and that, so, right? and so I keep thinking about that. You know, I never really, I never thought about that. I was always thinking like the smell. You know, all that kind of stuff that's really hits you. But I never thought about just hearing the screams, not knowing where you're going, and you get off the train and hearing all that. That's got to be just, God forbid, you know, God rest those souls who went through that, man. But anyways, this one to get off on that just a notch, because I have a time where I just like, I don't want to hear this today, guys. I'm moving on. <laughs> I'm yeah, done. I get it. That's, yeah, I get it, dude. That's cool. You know, it doesn't hit everybody right, and yeah. you know. And like I said, standing is, on those, those hill cliffs over Normandy, and going to some of those old German bunkers that are still there and seeing what those guys went through, I mean, it is just awe-inspiring. You know, it's something I think everybody should go witness at least once in their life. So, anyways, wow. that was my two cents. So, <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's, this, of course, is a quick album. Let's go to track number two. It's called Piece by Piece. Chris, a little listen.
piece by piece. The second quickest song on this record. Wow. This thing is a full-paced, blazing tune. And at just over two minutes long, it certainly is uh, the shortest tune on here. Um, it is, it's amazing how fast Tom can sing along with the riffing. Uh, his vocals are insane. I think this is a, um, man, just a blazing tune. It's almost over too fast. Um, that's well, the second fastest song, I should say. And it is, it absolutely is a ripping tune. I think it's great. I gave it an eight. Chris, what do you think about piece by piece? Yeah, it's it's a quick little tune. It's got a fast pace. Uh, the groove at the start is pretty cool in the song. Instrumentally, it's a solid song. I can't say I have strong emotions one way or the other about it. Uh, I don't think it's like B side stuff, but I, I, but it's not something to like grab me. I like thought it was a great song or anything. Uh, honestly, it feels like they're kind of rushing through it a little bit too much. But that said, I gave it a seven and a half. I think it's between very good and great. Cool. Anthony, what do you think about Piece by Piece? Yeah, it's not as in your face as the last song, but it certainly has no buildup when it starts. It starts, and it has to It has to start quick because it's a short song. It's another thrasher. Not a lot to say about it. It works. Pure Slayer from start to finish. Um, the band is on point, and again, really no flaws. It's an eight for me, too, and 72 plays in concert, which puts it at 70th spot, uh, tied with wow. Behind the Crooked Cross. I'm sure Behind the Cricket Cross is a great religious song. So, anyways. <laughs> I'm positive. <laughs> That's off of South of Heaven. That's a great, great album. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. So, no words of wisdom, no uh, no meaning behind this tune? I mean, I don't exactly know what it means. Go on piece it's a murder song. All right, we'll oh, do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us up to track number three. It's a little tune called Necrophobic. Chris, a little listen. Necrophobic. <laughs> it's it's almost like Tom can't keep up, so he just screams just to throw something in there at that one point in time. You know? Oh my lord! I don't know, dude. Vocally, he is slinging it out there throughout that little <laughs> last rhyme. Man, the shortest song on this record, Necrophobic, is absolutely fast and to the point. I think the solo is incredible on this song. The to basically the the dueling guitar between Kerry King and Jeff Hanneman on this they they play off each other so well. Um, they're evil harmony that they provide for the listener out there is outstanding um once again i think it's a great song i don't think it's anything above or below i gave this one an eight chris what do you think about necrophobic chris's flush of the week yeah it doesn't surprise me wow yeah, wow sorry, i figured it's gonna be I know you're a fan but uh I do. it it's just cool. feels to me like they're trying to go as fast as possible I know. and that's it 
They're just showing off how good a guitar. Now, listen, instrumentally, it's a solid song. I couldn't understand the word Tom said the whole song. I mean, I couldn't even understand him. He's going too fast. I mean, I need a groove in a song. There's no groove in this song. It's just like, I mean, that's all it is. Like, I don't know, man. I, it's not my thing. I, I know uh, I'm just not a thrash guy when you get right down to it. And this song is nothing but thrash. That's all it is. They, they just go 100 miles an hour. Uh, I get kind of a punk vibe from some of the from the vocals that Tom throws out there. We'll get into that I don't that know if you guys get that or not. What's oh, that? Oh, yeah. These, yeah, you get a punk. All right, to kill it. This is a punk thrash album. They were heavily okay. influenced by punk, punk, and the, because punk songs are so fast and to the point, you, know, you got punk songs that are like less than a minute long, less than thirty seconds long, and all the way up to maybe two or three minutes at the most. This is the thrashiest punk album on earth. Period. But go ahead, Chris. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna like a score. I gave it a five. I, I think it's a man. That's fine, dude. That's <laughs> cool. It's how you hear it, brother. Man. All right, Anthony. What do you think about necrophobic? Well, I'm not going to go as low as Chris because this is a very good song. Which uh, it's, but it's so fast and so short, you almost can't enjoy it. And to me, that does a disservice to this band, who are all, all amazing at what they do. Songs like this do not showcase that talent. Part of my beef with this album is for that reason. All these songs don't really show off their talent. Um, it's still a very good song. It's a seven for me. It's seen a concert stage. 106 times was pushed at the 58 spot, tied with Psychopathy Red. So, but I bet you this one is tough to play live. So I'm surprised they played it that much. But like Chris said, it's so fast that I just I can't really get into it. And I love a good thrash album. I love a good thrash song. I mean, you know, but this one is just so fast. It's like, is that it? <laughs> yeah, a little groove. I need a groove to like bang my head to or something. It's not. Yeah, there. I mean, look at some of the other thrash bands like Testament, Metallica, and. All those other ones, you know, just they put a groove to their music, you know, that you can get into. But this is so fast, just can't get into it. But, anyways, that's my point. But I still gave it a seven. There's lots to like about it. It's just kind of kind of out there for me. So, oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Now we're going to go to track number four. It's called "Altar of Sacrifice." Chris, a little listen. Such a pleasant song. an evil song all right this song <laughs> is pure evil altar of sacrifice unbelievable let me tell you something guys i remember hearing this the first time uh when i was 13 because i got this album probably about three weeks after it came out i think it came out like in <laughs> october as a 13 year old the first three songs if they weren't crazy enough you get to this and you start hearing them basically preaching what the front of this album cover looks like 
And you're like, oh my God, this is absolutely evil. I remember thinking, I'm scared to death. I'm going to burn straight in hell for listening to this. And I mean, <laughs> you know, kind of feeling like you're being pulled in the dark abyss as a, as a child, as a kid, not knowing any better. Now kids are exposed to crap all day. They probably laugh at this crap. But when you're 13 and you don't know any better, wow, dude, this is making you think some crazy stuff. But I do love how the... Uh, that solo that starts off before the transition and then the solo that follows the transition are absolute masterpieces. Um, and good God, how about that, that ending and the immediate transition into Jesus saves. Holy crap. That is fantastic twist and into the next song. I love that. Um, the song is dark, heavy and mind altering. I gave it an evil 9.0 Chris. Mm. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of thrash on this song. That one thirty mark when uh, when that groove kicks in, it's just like it's smooth, just killer groove on that one. Uh, the guitar riffs are are solid on this song. The the guitar solos are solid. Tom's vocals come across well. I agree with you, Jimmy. I gave it a nine too. I think it's an excellent song. Fabulous. I, and right. I and I want to say there's a storm kind of passing through right now. It's heading up Jimmy's way. I live a little south of Jimmy, and the the storms usually go here first and up there and i just want to let god know that jimmy picked this album not me so if you can start dropping some lightning bolts drop them up there okay <laughs> thanks chris i appreciate it oh my lord all right anthony what do you think about the altar of sacrifice yeah, i didn't go as high as you guys did man but uh, i do kind of enjoy that venom I, they remind me of venom that hell satan part in the middle of that song mm-hmm. i hear venom doing that all day long um, it's a very evil, very dark song. It's a good song. It's not one I like to seek out because of its dark nature. And I usually only listen to it when I listen to this album. I gave it a seven um, for me. I just didn't didn't vibe with me as much. But I mean, these lyrics kind of go like this. <laughs> Waiting the hour destined to die here on the table of hell, a figure in white unknown by man approaching the altar of death, high priest a weighty dagger in hand, Spilling the pure virgin blood, Satan's slaughter, ceremonial death, answer is every command. Death will come easy, just close your eyes. Death of the friends you'll see. Heavenly failure, losing again. Move on to a new form of life. Altar of sacrifice, curse of the damned. So that's kind of the crazy lyrics you're hearing in this song. It has seen the concert stage quite a bit. Um, 448 times, 21st all time, so... It must be a crowd favorite, but I saw this on like a top 10, top 15 evilest songs of all time at one point in time somewhere. It's like number Again, nine I just think like it's that. shock value these guys are going for. They're trying to yeah. play that card. Especially shock value with the next song too. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that moves us up to track number five. It's a little song called Jesus Saves. Chris.
Oh my God. Going from altar of sacrifice to Jesus saves. But I'm going to say it again. That transition's awesome. I love how it goes from that, you know, from track four to track five, and it just fits so perfectly. And the riff at the beginning going into that frantic gallop. Holy crap, dude. That's just awesomeness. Um, man, I, I, I get the vibe that maybe they recorded these two songs back to back simultaneously because it sounds like it fits together. Um, I asked myself, is this a jam session when they recorded this one? But you know what? Regardless of what they did, I think it's a very strong tune on this record. And uh, I'm giving this one an eight. I think it's excellent. Chris, what do you think about Jesus Saves? Yeah, I'm torn on this song because, you know, I think the, the first part you played there, uh, the, those opening guitar riffs and that groove, really good. I'm the very solid. Uh, but then the part where the, it starts going thrash and Tom's doing the, you know, you can't understand what he's saying again, kind of stuff I don't care for. It's a little too fast. Uh, hard to understand. I mean, I don't know, man. I want to at least, like, you could never sing along with something like this if you're, like, sitting here in the car. I mean, probably don't want to <laughs> looking at the lyrics, but... But that said, uh, I gave it a six. I think it's good. I, I do like the, the riffs and the instrumentally it's good. I think, I just don't care for the, the vocals on it. I don't think it's very good. Hey, fair enough, man. Fair enough. Anthony, what do you think about Jesus Saves? Yeah, honestly, like I wrote my notes, I could care less for a song like this. It has a nice intro and some serious intensity, but to me it feels very juvenile. Like they were only trying to piss people off. And not trying to give you a message of why they are so against Christianity. There's no basis for their hatred in this song. It's just there to piss people off. It just seems like a cheap ploy to grab some attention. Um, I gave it a six myself. It sounds good musically, but I really just don't care for songs like this much. You know, I'm not the best Christian man out there. I'll be the first to admit it. But there are certain songs that, as a follower, you know, as best as I can be. <laughs> Um, this really bothered me and songs like this bug me. I don't mind listening to Hell of Wait because that's kind of just a goofball song. You know, it's not so bad. But when you kind of get this deep and this kind of way, it just kind of really gets on my, my last nerves. But um, it has played a lot in concert, 19th all time with 469 plays. So it must get the crowd moving. So anyways, but yeah, it's the it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Just, huh? <laughs> the What's crowd that? moves at Slayer, I can tell you. I can tell you what, man. But uh, I don't know, man. Like I said, it, it's it's one of those dividing line songs for I me. Mean, I have a few songs that are like right on the line. Like Hell Awaits is almost there, but it's not over there. This one is over there. So, you know, anyways, that's kind of where I stand on these songs. Fair enough, but, man. Yeah. Did you get the meaning behind this one? Uh, I didn't really notice a meaning in this song. It's not like you're just making people upset. It's all I was trying to, in my mind. I got you. Right, I, we'll I mean, if you're going to... Gonna, if you're going to say stuff about Jesus and why you don't like Jesus and why people kneeling before the cross or being a bunch of buttholes and all that, give me a reason for it. Why do you have that hatred? I don't understand it. There's no reason for it. They don't give me any reason at all in this song why they have that hatred other than just a cheap ploy in my mind. Is there a meaning gotcha. behind it, Jimmy? Did you know? Yeah, it's it's a playoff of uh, Christianity. It, it is. is there any reason to one of those guys not like Christianity or they get burned well, by the church or... <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, it's a lyrical concept. This album is absolutely written as a ploy. All their albums have been a ploy. They're not Satanist. In right. case you guys I don't didn't expect know it. You, know, you, you do realize that uh, I think Araya was a um, Catholic. God, what is he? A Catholic guy. A Catholic, yeah. Kerry King was an atheist. Uh, yeah. Hanneman's an atheist. Doesn't believe in anything. Um, and I believe the drummer, um, oh God, can't believe I forgot his name all of a sudden. 
but um, he is, I think he's a Christian. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. kind of a weird, weird situation here. You know what? I mean, let's face it. They were writing music to um, shock. It's shock value radio. It was their yeah. entrance. It was their success. It's how they got music sold. Not only they're incredible musicians, but their right. gimmick was working. And it was making them, honestly, one of the biggest bands in the world. Right. Whether you agree with how they did it or not, this formula worked. These songs were working for them. This, did you realize this record charted? Oh, I know. It's been a big record I mean, for him, man. Just, just so you know, this is a massive, massive hit. But, know. Um, you know, re, it's, a, it's a gimmick. It's all it is. It's a gimmick. Yeah. And y- y- you get sold on it. Just like anything else. It's it's what they did and it sold. And guess what? They kept right. doing it. And they I, basically recorded the same album over and over again for darn near 40 I, years. Maybe I've aged out of some of this music. Maybe if I was younger, it would appeal to me differently. But you know, maybe some of this stuff just, you know, the older you get, uh, the less it appeals to you. So, sure, sure. All right, well, we're going to go to track number six. It's called "Criminally Insane." Say another speed burst tremolo picking song. Side two is starting off with a frantic lead off here. I believe that uh, Carrie and Jeff playing back to back on these solos are absolutely what this track is all about. And um, I'll be honest with you, I think it's fantastic. That breakdown at the end is incredible. It rounds out the song very well. I think it's an eight and a half solid song in my book. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I love that opening riff with the drums, the way they, they kind of bounce off each other. Kind of got like a Pantera vibe off that. Uh, man, I know they're before Pantera, but I, but that kind of like that that, gr- that uh, kind of grit in that riff, if you will, and the, kind of the, the groove that went in there. Right, uh, right. It's kind of a gallop throughout this song, which I don't hear in, in some of their other stuff, which I kind of appreciate. And the guitar solo is just blazing up the fretboard on that one. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs of the night. I think it's a nine. Very good, very good. Yeah, Anthony, what do you song. think about Criminally Insane? Yeah, this song has a nice intro. I like the way it sounds if we're breaking into the thrash. And I feel like the speed part of this song is great. The band doesn't sound too fast. They sound like what a thrash band should sound like. And the song actually has some nice ebb and flow to it. I like this one a lot. I dropped an 8.5 on it. Um, 43rd in concert with 157 plays. So fairly, fairly played. But yeah, man, this is a good one. I like this. This is the kind of Slayer I like right here. Songs like this, you know, not too fast, not too slow. Just a good, solid thrash, you know. So, I'm oh, yeah. this one. 
All right, that take us up here to track number seven called Reborn. Chris, a little Reborn. Fantastic. It's a standard thrash opening on this one. And then the groove that is Slayer takes over. Fast and frantic kicks in. The vocals are so fast, it's amazing that Tom can sing and play bass at the same time. Uh, the song is, I think it's pretty strong. It's the weakest on side two. I give this one a seven. Chris, what do you think about Reborn? Yeah, it's. I kind of agree with you, Jimmy. It is one of the weaker songs on the album. Uh, it's got that got those punk vocals again, which I don't really care for. Uh, there is a blazing guitar solo. Again, he's burning up the fretboard on that. And I appreciate the aggression of the song. It kind of feels like something you could like hit a punching bag to and get a pretty good workout in. Uh, that said, uh, I gave it a six. It's good. Not, not even more than that. Fair enough. Anthony, what do you think about it? You know, it works. Um, I kind of like it, but at the same time, Tom needs to slow down a bit, man. It, it kind of makes the song a lot more uneven. The band's in one spot. Tom's in another and to me, it just feels like it's a little bit off. Um, I do like the song. I enjoy the energy. I dropped the seven on it. Um, 43rd in concert with 157 plays, tied with criminally insane. But uh, yeah, that's my only beef with this song. Is I like the song. I just don't like the way Tom is with the song. He needs to just match his vocals a little better. So All right. I, I gave it a seven. That's a good one, man. That's still very good. Um, Epidemic is track number eight. Chris, a little Epidemic, please. say nothing but that was awesome in my opinion i think 
first and foremost, Tom Araya can scream. Oh my God. <laughs> he just has to get vocals. He's a screamer. I absolutely love this riff. I think that uh, this is just two minutes of pure thrash insanity. The solo is basically an insane scale run. And uh, then that breakdown turns this song into something that's incredible. I love it, and I think it is highly worthy of a nine. Chris, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's for me, it's a little high, Jimmy. I, I didn't go that high with it. Uh, it's kind of middle of the road for me. I did think the guitar solo was another blazer, and there's a really good groove that kicks in around the 130 mark. It's it's a fantastic groove on that song. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, kind of middle of the road for me. I gave it a seven. That might be a little low. I probably should have bumped it up a hair, but uh, I'm gonna stick with what I wrote down. I'm gonna give it, which is yeah, very dude, good. So yeah. stick to your guns, my friend. Doesn't doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Go ahead, Anthony. What do you think about this one? Uh, you know, I like the drums that lead this one in before we are. Once again, led into an all-out assault on your ears. The band sounds great. Tom's vocals fit the song perfectly. It's not too fast, not too slow. It works. Uh, I enjoy that little slowdown around the 130 mark where it slows down and grooves for a moment. Not a lot more to say. Uh, I dropped a 7 on it. It's very good and 46th all-time in concert with 137 plays. So, you know, it's one of those songs. I thought it was a good 7. Fair enough. Now, the uh, track number nine is up next. It's a little song called Postmortem. Chris, a little listen. Postmortem. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a sleeper on this record, in my opinion. I think it is my Agreed. favorite riff on this album. I uh, I mean, it's not as fast-paced, but it grooves. It brings us closer to the end of this record. And what is uh, basically about, I mean, that scream at the end. Good Lord, Tom's at it again. I mean, it's it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> the Wanting to die is the reason to live. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Nonetheless... This is some some fantastic riffage. And then we've got another transition into the ending tune, which is, of course, outstanding. I give this one a 9.5. Chris, Porsche Modem. I think we're all going to be in agreement because I heard Anthony said agreed on that. Uh, yeah, it, it's a tremendous song. Uh, the riff is excellent at the start, and that riff just kind of carries out through whole, throughout the whole song. I love the groove in this one. It's just a powerful groove. And, and then around the 210 mark there, uh, it just really kicks in. Guitar tone is excellent on this song. Almost had a Metallica vibe to that guitar tone that, that they have on that. Kind of like Kill 'Em All era. I, I don't know. I guess it was around the same time frame, so maybe that was just a, 
popular way to set up your guitars back then. I also gave it a nine and a half. I think it's one of the best songs on the album. All right, Anthony, what do you think about Postmortem? Yeah, you know, this one's getting back to that Slayer sound I love. Lots of layers in the intro, great build-up and lead-in. The style I really like from this band, it's just a thrashy, nasty groove. Tom sounds fantastic. And I like this song, too, because it allows the band to have a chance to shine. You get a chance to hear how good this band really is. And I also like the way it builds up to that intense finish, which is fast, but it works. I dropped a nine on it. I'm really digging it. Uh, number 10 all-time in concert with 1,121 plays. So this must play well in concert. So they played it a lot. Oh, yeah. So. It's a great tune, dude. I, it I, is. I, Metallica plays this one on occasion, so it tells you something. Metallica plays they, it on occasion? Yeah, whenever they do their little warm-ups, yeah, they'll jam out. Really? I didn't warm-ups. know that. So it's pretty cool. Know. It's a bunch of videos you can find of jamming this thing out. So. I, thought it, All right. I thought it had a Metallica sound to it, so I can see that. Final track, Rain and Blood. Oh, I love this Chris. song. So I kind of merged two clips in here. Jimmy wanted to grab two tonight on this one, so it's a little long, but here you go. Blazing solo begins. How about that transition from postmortem into raining blood? I love it. I love it. Nonetheless, uh, what can you say? Slayer opens a song with one of the, if not the most iconic riffs in their library of tunes. I think it is honestly that one of the best closing songs that we have ever heard. I exactly. give this one, my friends, a 10 iconic Chris. Yeah. Say what you will about Slayer. Uh, those guys bookend this album fantastically. I mean, the two tens and then the nine and a half right before it for me. Uh, opening riff, it's it's iconic. That's all you can say about it. That I mean, it just I I knew that from a young age. I think I might have even heard that on MTV back in the day quite a bit. Uh, this song has it all: solid riffs, great tone, ridiculous head banging groove to it. 
at that two minute mark. A pretty good gallop in this song at parts. And then that killer guitar solo, it's it's probably their best song of all time, most famous song of all time. It's a 10, yeah, easily iconic. All right, Anthony, what do you think about Raining Blood? Yeah, I wrote that we open with an iconic song and we close with another 10. This song is amazing from start to finish. It's not only a highlight for this album, it's a highlight for the band, for metal overall. If I wanted to get someone into metal, this song would be on that list. It's also one of my favorites, Probably top 10 metal songs of all time for me. Might even be in the top five. I love everything about this one. Love that dark intro, the build, the way the song sets the scene. And when it kicks in, truly a masterpiece. This is the way you do a thrash song. This is the way you do a Slayer song. And my neck starts to hurt right around that 210 mark. That is headbanging glory for almost a solid minute. My kids have seen me go nuts that many times in the kitchen. <laughs> When I'm cooking dinner, I'm sure they thought their daddy was, was possessed or something. Um, but you know, it's number one all time for them in concert, 1,875 plays. That's, that's quite a, that's a big number. Um, song facts has a few things on it. Um, this song is about becoming strong enough to overthrow heaven. The blood that's raining down is the angel's blood. Um, this song is featured in a South Park episode where Cartman plays it to scare off hippies. Claim that there is nothing hippies hate more than death metal. Sounds pretty funny. Um, and perhaps the weirdest cover in rock and roll history occurred when Tori Amos covered Raining Blood for her studio album Strange Little Girls. Carrie King himself has said that the members of Slayer wouldn't recognize the Tori Amos version if you played it in front of them, if they hadn't been told that she was covering their song. And a funny little sidebar, that song got me into Slayer. I heard that song. So I mentioned Tori Amos covering Slayer. I dug it up and listened to it. And when I heard it, I had to hear this song. And when I heard this song, I had to hear more by Slayer. So it's funny how that worked out like that. But uh, it's not a bad cover of that song at all. Very different. Very moody, very dark. But Shall we play it? No, I don't you got it? it. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Check it out, man. Tori Amos does an amazing <laughs> job on that song. It's very, very different. So. Anthony, I'm actually surprised you like this one because this is one of the most evil songs on here. You know, this song's about it's, being it's trapped that, in purgatory, right? And it's uh, that it's that borderline, Jimmy, for me. It's not too far past the border for me. It's like right on the edge. It doesn't go over that part that I don't really, I'm not comfortable with. You know what I mean? I got you. I, no, I get you. I get you. I didn't. I mean, did you look up the meaning of this one by chance? Yeah, but I actually write stories like this. About oh stuff yeah. Like this, I've got a story called the hand, a book called The Hands of the Devil, which is about a guy being tempted by Satan. And he's trying to fight his way back to Christianity while the devil's trying to take his soul. So I write stuff like that all the time. So I don't mind that subject matter. It's just there comes a point in time where I'm like, enough. You're not doing it for any other reason. Like The God That Failed by Metallica. I love that song. But it has a good meaning behind it. And there's a meaning behind why they say The God That Failed. You know, you know why it happened. You're not just doing it to piss somebody off. Had failed, felt like God failed him when his mom and parents died, you know, so that's the reason why that song doesn't bug me as much. So you give me a good meaning, good understanding, I, got I can you. get into a song. So I got you, man. Yeah, that, that's pretty Plus, cool. I, I was going to tell people, a lot of people don't have a misunderstanding of what this song means. And according yeah. to what I found, you know, Jeff Hanneman had a dream. And that's where this lyricals right. come, the lyrics come from. Apparently, this was uh, basically about being trapped in purgatory as a soul. And um, they are waiting to exact revenge against God right. who put them there. And of yeah. course... The devil is getting ready to abolish the rules of stone, also known as the Ten Commandments, you know, and um, 
he's talking about that the angels that are following Lucifer and uh, they are now getting ready to attack heaven. And um, it's basically, there's like a line that's like betrayed by many now ornaments dripping above refers to the souls in heaven who have betrayed Satan by living holy lives and are now victims of the reprisal. Your time slip away is, is a direct statement to God. He says, your time is over. It's my turn now. Right. And the final last bit is Satan's final oath. The lacerated sky refers to the heaven, which he has destroyed and with God out of the way he can rain in blood. So right. that's, that's some crazy stuff, man. It is. That's but some see, dark, I, I, dark stuff. I like, <laughs> like the old Omen movies and the exorcism. I, lo- I love those movies where it's the ultimate good versus the ultimate evil. You know, you can't get much more than that. I love stories like that, you know, God versus the devil and things like that. So right, right. I love writing about stuff like that too, because it's so fascinating to learn and to read. So anyways, that's so, some dark yeah. stuff, man. But, um, all right, boys, y'all ready to get the overall assessment on this? I think so. All right. Yep. So, um, for me, rain and blood is, uh, it's arguably a thresh metal masterpiece. Uh, I think that, uh, what can I say, man? It's got that punk feel due to the the short songs, but it certainly is a pure thrash. Uh, it's considered in a lot of people's books the greatest bookends on an album with all with the uh, Angel of Death and Raining Blood. Um, man, it simply makes it an amazing listen. I think um, this album's very dark lyrically. Songs of Satan, World War II, serial killers, and the fascination of the macabre that just fill out this whole album. Um, it really. Uh, it's really weird where some of these songs come from, you know, emotionally and lyrically through the band uh, with Tom writing some of the stuff, Jeff and Carrie writing a lot of the stuff. Uh, it, it's, it certainly, it makes you, <laughs> makes you ponder your existence because my God, if I listen to this, am I going to burn in hell? Because this is an <laughs> evil stuff. Um, this album is often cited as the most influential flat thrash album by many, many artists, bands worldwide. Um, and at under 29 minutes, it's the short but to the point thrash beast. When asked why so short, the band have collectively, uh, they summarized that they weren't putting any filler on this album and refused to record any more songs at the request of the record company at the time. That, did, that, did, did that choice pay off? I think, I think it did. I think this album is, is certainly one of the most iconic records of all metal history and certainly of 1986. Um, I think this is one of the better albums that came out that year. My overall rating came out to be an 8.7, and I'm going to do something I, I never do. I'm going to raise my rating to 9.5, which is well over what I think. I believe this is a staple in extreme music and metal, and I certainly would recommend it to anybody. Chris? Yeah, I think I was a little more critical tonight than I, than I am sometimes on this album. I was just kind of trying to keep it as real as I could with this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when we reviewed Springsteen, Jimmy kind of – he freely admitted that this wasn't his cup of tea, and he tried to, to you know, review it honestly. And that's what I tried to do this week. I, I don't really know if this kind of thrash slash punk is my thing necessarily, but I did try to listen to it critically and, and give an honest review with it. So that said, I think the opening and closing songs on this album were fantastic. I had I had two tens, I had a nine and a half, and two nines. And then honestly, the rest of it is not very good, in my opinion. I think I think when they try to speed through it too much, I think a lot of it sounds very similar to each other. I, I'm not sure there's much difference between some of those songs kind of in the middle of that album. That said, uh, it's it's pretty solid. Uh, I mean, I don't like I said, I don't like that punk rock sound that that Tom has with his voice. Sometimes maybe that's intentional. Maybe it, like I guess they were influenced by punk. 
but but that's not my thing. Uh, I gave it a 7.8 overall when I rounded it up. I'm going to leave it there. I think that's, I know this is thought of as a thrash masterpiece. I, I'm aware of that. I do. I did. I tell you, I want to touch on the, uh, the artwork on that album. It reminded me of the, the Hieronymus Bosch, uh, garden of earthly delights. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It kind of had that vibe to it to me, except like that. a, like a satanic version, if you will. <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was interesting artwork on that. Uh, that, that, that would grab you when you were a teenage kid in a record bar or something, you know, like <laughs> if you saw that cover, you're like, Oh hell, I got to look at this. You know, that's the yeah. way people grab your attention back in the day. So it was mo- it's more important back then than it is now, I think. But, uh, I definitely, I noticed that I was like, wow, that's, that's an interesting cover. It's got a lot of detail to it, but yeah, overall, I, you know, I'll tell you, I'll round it to an eight. I think, I think maybe that's fair for this. All right, Anthony, what do you think about this album as a whole? Well, it, it came out to be 7.95 from the statistical rating for me, but the album probably is a 10 in most metal communities. Myself, I'll stick with my rating, but I do realize the iconic nature of the album. It's been on numerous lists of greatest metal albums of all time. It was one of the cornerstones of metal albums that came out in 86, and two of the songs on this album are so iconic they almost define the thrash genre. Um, but for me personally, I'd rather listen to other Slayer albums when I want my Slayer fix. This album has its merits and its right to the thrash throne, but the album, I think, just truly doesn't work for me. It's too fast at times, almost so fast you can't enjoy it. And the band doesn't get to shine like they do on other Slayer albums. Um, I'll give Rain and Blood its iconic stature gladly, but this one is mostly a pass for me. I rarely get in the mood to listen to it. And I can't recommend it to all of our listeners unless they really, truly can handle Slayer and the speed of an album like this. So that's my final thoughts on it. Hey, fair enough, man. Um, we got to do a pick here. Who's doing pick this week? And in this corner, weighing in at 165 pounds, it's the blues rock guru, the master of podcast production, and the man who cannot stop the battery. It's Chris's pick. You guys are going to put my podcast production uh, skills to use tonight. We've had some storms coming through. I'll try to piece this together as best I can. We can't even see Jimmy on the on the screen. So, But that said, okay, so this album I'm going to pick, this is, this is off uh, topic, man. This is not something we normally do. <laughs> and... I think you guys will enjoy it. I, I mentioned last week, this is one of my summertime uh, guilty pleasures, if you will. It's it's something that I, I found this album about five years ago. I took a trip down to Destin, and uh, this album came out a week before that trip. And I listened to it nonstop when I was down there. And it's just, every time I hear it, it puts me in a good mood, makes me think of the beach. I love it. It's uh, Dan Auerbach's solo album, Waiting on a Song, from 2017. I know it's not what we normally listen to. I'm not sure if either one of you guys have ever listened to it, but I think you'll both enjoy it if you give it a chance. And that's what we're going with this week. Okay. Fair enough, Anthony. What do you got going on this week? Uh, Slack died off Buffett's new album, so it's on song lines and tan lines. So diving into that one this week. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right, boys. Trying to give some love to that album, man. It's a great album. Everybody needs to listen to it. <laughs> well, let's wrap this beast up. 
been a fun listen this week, guys. I'm sorry I disappointed y'all with the heavy metal, but no, I it wasn't disappointing. Like I said, half heavy. of it was good, man. Hey, Jimmy, it's not. <laughs> I like Slayer. I like music by Slayer. I just I've never understood the love for this album. I don't. I don't. I don't think the band shines enough on this album in my mind, personally. I think there's other albums they shine a lot more on. So that's right just me on, personally. Man. Right on. Well, boys, let's wrap yeah. it up for Audible XD Podcast. This is Jimmy. This is Chris. This is Anthony. This is it. Thank you for listening to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Join us next week when we review Dan Auerbach's Waiting on a Song. We'll see you then.